Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond the Pen. My name is Maccabee Griffin. And I'm Marcella Gonzalez. And this is Beyond the Pen, where we take that old adage, read between the lines to a whole new level and beyond. Each week, we bring on a, a new author to not only discuss their book, but also tell us about the story behind the story. And here's something I really, I was really excited about today's uh, guest because one, I had already, I just talked to her a couple of days ago when I was in a media caster Zoom call. And it was really fun, and to, especially to uh, learn about her story, her dad's story. And the other fact was that, you know, she was able to show us a little video uh, that gave us a little insight to her dad, which, by the way, I think is one of the coolest dads in the world, um, obviously compared to mine. You know, he, he's up there, but, you know, I think my dad's kind of cool, too. Anyways, <laughs> I think everybody, every kid is like that, too. But but here's the other thing I was really, when I was working on this intro, when I was writing, I was like, it's really hard to try to figure something out with her and trying to give her the best intro because of the fact she has so many accolades. It's insane. I mean, she is a leadership development coach and consultant. She's a trainer. She's a speaker and an author. And now she's a podcaster. She has her own podcast now called the, uh, what is it? The Stay On Course Podcast, which debuted on the 28th of last month. And in this, you know, I, I learned a little bit about how she loves to bring her dad and everything he's done and the way that he's, um, everything he's taught her, the wisdom he's given her, brings it into her, her own personal life. Because when you look at it, it's like, you know, she has created something that, you know, when you look at it, it's the course of a menu. Everything is literally just like right there. It, everything's a menu. And she gives you like very, very individual snippets of, you know, like your appetizer here. She'll give you a little bit of a, of a meal here, your soup here. It, it's like looking at a menu. Mm -hmm. I know. And it, it does make you hungry, especially when you read the book. It's really good, really good. But, you know, I thought it was interesting when she um, when she was putting in the description of her of her podcast. One of the things that I really thought of is like she's giving you some ingredients each week to successfully cook up a delicious legacy, not only for yourself and your career, but for other people around you. And that's what I got out of it because she was talking about why the tomato is like the symbol that she has for, for her life right now, or at least in her, her podcast and the way she thinks about how her dad just brought back like, okay, this is the reason why we're doing this kind of thing. And, you know, I thought it was really fun how that came out. And obviously, you know, her a little bit more than I do. So, um, can you give us a little bit of an insight of what you what you know about our our next guest? Um, <clears throat> Julie Riga, or as I affectionately refer to as Julie Rock, because of her her handle on another platform. Um, I I find her to be very straightforward, very direct. I I love being in her company because of that, and maybe something that you guys don't know. She's also got this angelic voice. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what stands out to me the most. It's her voice and the way she projects 
the love that she has for things through that voice. So oh, yeah. that's what I'm going to say about her for now. <laughs> All right. Well, fine. Um, but you know what? We're, we're not only here just to talk about Miss Julie. Um, we're talking about her book and the, and we'll, we'll have her explain this a little bit later too, but for all those who don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about a wonderful woman who had even a more wonderful man that was the inspiration for a lot of things in her life. And they published a book that's called Stay on Course, The Life and Legacy of Ennio Riga, Chef to the Stars. Now, while I was reading this wonderful book, I was mesmerized by some of her father's stories, you know, her words of wisdom and developing leadership skills. And of course, the menu of delicious recipes at the end of each chapter. And I don't know about you, but I'm always, when I look at those recipes, I'm like, mm, that could be some really good Italian food. Oh, that's going to look good. And then I'm probably thinking that if I try it, I'll probably burn it and destroy it. And like, yeah, no, I'm good. But anyways, I know you guys want to see who we were bringing up. So, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the chef's navigator, Julie Riga. Julie, it is wonderful to see you on here. Thank you for being a part of us. So I get the line out of you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. For sure. Uh, today was definitely an interesting day. There's a lot of things that are like, this is like God coming down and saying, you know what? You need to have her on her on your show today because of this. And I will let you explain it a little bit more. But while you're doing that, please tell um, tell some people around the world exactly what makes you you. You know, give us a little bit of introduction that people don't know about you or that people can't find on the Internet. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> what makes me me? Hmm. A lot of what makes me me is the history of my life or the story of my life. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I tell this in the beginning that I went through an interesting um, childhood illness that was undiagnosed for years. I went through a definitely difficult divorce and um, having to navigate having a newborn baby, raising a newborn baby on my own, and then um, really trying to recreate and pivot my life in a way that was going to allow me to live good. And mm -hmm. so because of all of these different things, I sort of realized and stepped into my own um, power in a sense, because when you go through all these different kinds of trials and circumstances, you just get stronger and you build these muscles that sort of help you endure the long game. <laughs> and so I think why I'm who I am is because I, I feel like I'm allowed to show up as me. I'm allowed to be shown and I, I definitely have this way of I want to always be authentic because I don't believe there's another way to be. And so I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. I'm never going to be doing that. And one of the things I'm very, very passionate about is being able to spend your life doing what you love to do mm -hmm. and following a purpose 
and understanding that we're here for a reason. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, here's here's why I, I love how Marcella said it earlier that she calls you Julie Rock, because that's what you do. You rock. You're you're you are so. Um, what's the word I want to say? Well, we'll just say it again. Authentic, and you don't put up a mask for people to see you as one thing, and then you're something else. And here's where I, I love it because this is something you you've learned from your dad a little bit. Because I want to go into the book because one, I'm still working on the book because one, I got it yesterday, but. It is something that I truly like to go back to uh, after I get my my thoughts on like what questions I want to ask. And here's the other thing, ladies and gentlemen, that I really love about this book is that you are going to learn some Italian. You are going to learn the language because there's a lot of it. Even in the first chapter, I was like, oh, wow, I am probably going to destroy a lot of this language. So I'm not even going to try. Um, <laughs> So it's just going to be a lot easier that way. But what I loved about it was one is that there's so much history involved in it. You know, your dad was very true to the core when he said, this is my story and I want people to know it. Hmm. And the fact that you were so accepting of that as well. But one I thought I was really thought was interesting because the fact that when you guys first started to talk about the book, you know, your dad's like, no, this is my book. I don't want anybody else to be a part of it. This is my book. And then over time, it's like, okay, okay, well, you can, you can, you can be a part of it too, kind of thing. But, you know, what was that like to go after someone who has been through hell and high water through World War II, almost got killed by a freaking Nazi? And is still around, was still around through the time. Obviously, you know, today's that special day that we were talking about earlier. Uh, what was it like to have that conversation and trying to get your dad like, okay, no, I want to help with this. And I think it would be better if we both. Well, it's funny that you said that because, and, and the special day is the six year marking of my dad's passing. And so basically you know, he did want to give this story. He had been preparing his entire life to tell the story and you could see it in the journals. So he kept journals and he kept all kinds of newspaper clippings and every single thing that anyone wrote about him. He kept it all, everything. The man kept everything, never threw anything away. Um, and I explained to him, I'm like, dad, why don't we make this a family story where, you know, we can intersect it because you know, my sister and I at the time were talking about helping him do this. And he's like, no, it is my story, Julie, my story only. And I'm like, dad, please. And he's like, no, he wasn't having it. So I really didn't do much of the, the book until he passed, you know, so he didn't really have a choice after he died. <laughs> and and that's I basically, that's a good way of doing it. That's a well, good way of doing it. And the thing is, is like, I, I told this story in my TEDx, the TED talk. I ignored this thing as long as I possibly could. I literally am an, I call myself an accidental author. And this idea that I had to write a book was painful. 
So I said, I'm going to ignore this because, you know, when you when you help someone write a book, it's a lot different than when you write a book. This this is a different kind of labor of love because it wasn't a lot of those stories are not mine. They're his. And so I had to receive those stories from him. And what happened was when he was diagnosed with cancer, he was like, okay, I know I don't have a lot of time left. I need to get my stories down on paper. So his nurse, who was from Brazil, English as a second language, my father, English as a second language, are sitting there together. And my father's like, I'm, and I went to this place and this place. And he's telling the story and she's typing. Okay. So mm-hmm. what I got was a hundred pages of 20 point font of stories written by two people that are not native English speakers. Okay. Now imagine, imagine what this was like. Number one, I'm not an author. Number two, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this dad? Like, I can't even read half of this. And then, so I had to figure out what the heck I was going to do and how I was going to possibly turn this into a book. Painful. So right after he died, like I remember it was six years ago. It must have been like the 14th. It must have been like Valentine's Day. I'm like, how am I going to do this book? I'm having a conversation with myself. I got to get it done. How am I going to do this book? And I started putting my work hat on. What would I do if I was at work? I'd pull a project plan together. I'd hire a team. And so that's what I did. I looked to others to help me. I hired a book coordinator. I hired, um, these were college students that I got to help me. Wonderful, wonderful people. And um, the book coordinator helped me really get everything into an outline. And we we started doing research because, you know, it's history, right? So we literally had to research all the history pieces. And then I started to get another intern helping me, um, another college student who was more like an editor, like an English student getting her English degree. And so um, she helped me. We had to talk the stories out loud. So every story in the book had to be spoken out loud. And we had to go through this process. We had to get my mother Rose on the phone, you know, and she's in Florida. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to ask her the questions. And I had to ask other people questions that also were there at the time because we needed to validate the validity of the story, which was very difficult. So, yeah, especially the um, the earlier stuff when he was younger. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce pronounce the village name. Could you pronounce it for me, please? Sure. He was from the village of Zompikia. See, I knew I was going to destroy that. So I'm glad I said, let you do it. Uh, now, this was for, for everyone else. This was during the beginning of World War II. And there were a lot of things that were definitely interesting. By the way, I love your grandmother on this. I really do. Your grandmother and my dad would have gotten along really well because my dad was a correctional officer and he did the exact same thing that your grandmother did to your dad. And if y'all want to figure out what that is, you're going to have to read the book because it was really funny. It really <laughs> was funny. Uh, but here, here's really the other thing that I thought was very amazing when we're dealing with his earlier life was the fact that he was a really hard worker. He learned how to be a hard worker from a very young age. 
um, if I remember correctly, the way that his the village and ran was that children would go to kindergarten and then the then three years after that, and then they would be going to work. Mm-hmm. So you would get a lot of a lot of children in the fields. Um, but in this case, your father worked for a wine distributor, if that was am I correct on that? And he they they didn't care what what his age was because he was carrying stuff that was about probably about the same actually heavier than he was at that age because he was around i want to say about seven eight years old around that time give or take maybe maybe a little bit older i'm not sure exactly but you could read between the lines yes (laughs) yeah he was he was pretty young he was not even a teenager yet at this point. no i don't think so like 10 maybe I think 10 at the latest because he was carrying, so he was probably a little under a hundred pounds, but he was supposed to be carrying wine, like these big old wine barrels that were 140 pounds each. And he was working what, 14 hour days. Yeah. It was insane. So out of all that, that I've said, because again, I like to give people a little bit of a spice on certain things on this. How much of that do you think impacted your dad's um, work ethic? And then also hearing all that stuff and seeing what your dad was like, how did it impact your uh, work ethic? Mm. Yeah, I think um, my dad was a bit of a workaholic. You can you can definitely see that uh, as he even got older. In fact, I tell people that I didn't really know my dad until he um, owned a restaurant called Riga and Italian Trattoria. I had just graduated college and um, I was able to spend time with my dad because I went to the restaurant where he was because honestly, he wasn't home. He was home maybe one day a week. And so, yeah, I think all of that did influence him. I think that, you know, you were meant to work and you worked as hard as you could, especially to get to a different place. I mean, my father was starving as a child. Mm -hmm. And so all he wanted to do was be able to eat. And so that really um, inspired him to become a chef. There's a story in the book where he, I think his mother took him to Venice and he had the opportunity to look in the window of what, you know, the rich people and what they were eating. And he, and he said to himself, wow, if I can work in there, I'll never starve again. And so that is what like really prompted him to be a chef. And then plus there's another story in the book back, you know, in the earlier stories where during that Nazi occupation um, of Italy, there was a time during World War II, the family was hiding Jewish, a Jewish family in the house. Mm -hmm. And so my father was bringing food to them. My father was bringing food to the Jewish uh, family and then the the police would come, the Gestapo would come to the door and knock on the door and say, hey, what's going on in there? Do you have, we want to come and look. And so what ended up happening is my grandmother, this is why, you know, Maccabee's talking about this. My grandmother used to whack my dad like on the butt so he would start crying. And so the my grandmother used to yell at the the, the police, like, look what you did. My son is crying. He's scared of you. Go away. Go away. Go. And she would make this big scene every time they came because she didn't want the Gestapo to come into the house and find this family that they were hiding, mm-hmm. um, which is very interesting because later on, my my dad ended up marrying a Jewish woman. 
you know, go figure. You know, I I thought it was hilarious. It's like one of the one of the sentences in there. One of the lines that your dad says, like, she earned the name boss. She earned that name very quickly. Uh, there was one part where I remember I was laughing. It was like, I love this woman already because of the fact that I remember when your grandfather was late a couple of times to get home in time to, to milk the cows. If he wasn't there in time, she would just beat the heck out of him. She would make sure that he remembered to get back home in time. Oh, my God. And, you know, these were the stories my father told. I don't know how much they're exaggerated either. You know, that wasn't one that we could fact check. So every time my, my mother would um, say to me, Julie, you know, I don't know, some of these stories, uh, it, he might have exaggerated. Let's hope he, she didn't really beat up her husband, but but she might have. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Blue Rock, I have a question. Uh, what is going to be next for you? Do you think you're going to write another book? I, you know what? It's funny you ask that question. I want to write another book. And I think all of the things that are prompting me to do so, um, and this one will be my book. This will be like the stay on course, Julie Riga version. And I do have a title that I won't share yet. Cause I, I, I'm afraid to share it yet because I don't want anyone to steal the idea. Oh yeah. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> um, Not yet. Not yet. But, Okay, I'm not going to share, but it will be a stay on course book, another stay on course, but it will be, you know, my life story and what I want to teach to the world. So that will be my next book. I look forward sure. to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing I really enjoyed about the book is because I'm a big like the anything between the 20s and the, the late 50s are like my thing. I love history when it comes to that. But your dad literally made history. He was like, this is. there's a reason why he was called the chef to the stars. Can you name just a few people that he actually cooked for and how he actually started to become the chef to the stars? Yeah. You know, it's very interesting. My father left Italy. Let's take it from there. He left Italy to go to England and Switzerland to go to work because in Italy where he was, there was no work. There really wasn't mm. anything for him to do. So a lot of the people migrated to other countries, some to Canada, some to Australia. He went over to Switzerland, which wasn't very far. And what he was doing, he was sending money back to his parents because they were so poor. And so he had some different kinds of opportunities. Of course, he started as a dishwasher, moved up to uh, waiter. And as a waiter, he worked on the Orient Express and the Queen Elizabeth. And so that's where he started to, to sort of delve into, you know, being around some of the royals. The royals would come on these ships and trains. And, and so he would serve them. And so that's how he started to get his feet wet and in those types of things. And uh, a few of the restaurants over there that he worked on uh, were, were upscale restaurants as well. And he spent a lot of time getting his feet wet and being the, the maitre d'. So the person that greets the, the, the guests brings them to the table, make sure everything's okay. And in some of these cases, the maitre d' was really the front man of the house. You know, now we have hostesses, but back then the maitre d' was the one who greeted you. And especially when the, the, um, the celebrities came, that was, that was what he was mostly, uh, 
responsible for. And so uh, he worked at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. He worked at the CBS building. And so what I can see is when I was starting to, to work on this book, I'm like, wow, dad, you really, it was really a thread of, of celebrities that sort of followed you in all of these different places because every place that he worked was a little prestigious in a sense. They were all restaurants. Um, the most exciting time for him, I think, was when he worked at the Resorts International in Atlantic City from oh. 1980 to 1984. This was the biggest moment for him. And Remember, the Resorts International was one of the only casinos in Atlantic City. And at that, I'm going to say it way, the way my dad would say it. At that particular time, now I sound Spanish. He would be like, you know, um, at that particular time, the celebrities were coming. They were performing at the little theater there. And they were eating either before or after or during with my dad. And they would come in. My dad would greet them. He would make friends with them as much as he could and really try to remember what they like to eat. So like, you know, that that real uh, building relationships piece. And then he would do this thing called the fruit flambe, where he would cut up fruit and he would dance and sing. He was dancing and singing, guys. Uh, he had a, a very special guitar player that would stand on the side of him. And he did this thing. Uh, he lit up the fruit, the fruit flambe. His favorite song was the El Cumbanchero. I don't know if you know that song, the El Cumbanchero. No. You got, we have to like look that up. But it was like, you know, a cumban, 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 cumbanchero. You know, la, 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 la. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Pesha Frigo Bacala. And this thing <laughs> was like so funny. I mean, it was hysterical. It literally was hysterical. He would cut up the fruit. He would light it on fire. Everyone loved it. It was a big show. And it was literally the entertainment of the night for the restaurant. I mean, going to a restaurant is fun. But when you have a show at a restaurant and everyone knows your name and loves you and tells you you're wonderful and brings you your favorite drink, I mean, that's an experience. My dad was creating an experience for these celebrities and they just always wanted him and they always wanted to come back. Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought that was freaking uh, some of the things. And here's just some of the people she's not talking about, and I'll, I'll, we'll give you glimpses on it. She she is not telling you that he actually was a chef for Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, and literally all the Rat Pack, as well as a variety of other people, and. To me, that uh, right when you right when I saw that photo it, during that uh, during the uh, office hours meeting that we had on Thursday, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to talk to her about this because there's got to be some interesting stories." But you know, I, I've got Marcella here, and I really want her to ask you a couple more questions. Um, so I'm going to let her talk for a little bit while. And the thing is that Julie has pretty much given us everything. And I, I, I actually go into rooms that Julie opens just so that I can sit and mm. listen because she's got so much um, insight to things that I had never thought of. But I wonder, since you did say that you're going to write another book, Julie, what, uh, what is your writing kryptonite? <laughs> oh. 
This gets everybody all the time. I love it so much. All right, my kryptonite, meaning that thing that drives me crazy. That's what you're talking about. That weakens you, or oh, I mean, this cut. I think the thing that really it was a struggle is when I have to sit for hours and write. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and there were some moments because I did write a lot of this book. I had to sit for like eight hours at a clip because I needed to just do it. And so there were some days I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to put James Taylor on in the background. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to like do this thing. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know? And then I think to myself, gosh, whenever I go to like a beach, I get like excited. I'm like, if I could just like sit here with my (laughs) laptop and, and look at the water and just like, Breathe in the sand and the and the air. I could probably write. I'm like, I could probably write for like five, ten days. But it's really that idea that you have to sit for a long period of time and write. And I guess people do it in sprints. You know, it's probably better to do it in one and a half hour sprints. But I really needed to get this book done. I was getting annoyed. It took me, it took me two years, and that was all I worked on. Okay, so I had my job, my my child, my husband, but as a side project, it was my only side project. That was it. And I was getting this thing done. And it was like at the two year mark, I'm like, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I got to get this thing done and out the door because, you know, at the end, I don't know if you guys um, know how hard this is, but here's the book. It's, (laughs) it's a 200 page book. And, um, there are, I'm going to try to show you the pictures, but just getting the cover design and getting like those little pieces together on, on your own. I did this really by myself. I didn't hire like a company to help me. I hired people to help me, but not like an overall person that would help me bring it all together, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's the hardest part is kind of getting it all to come together in a way where now you can publish it. All right, here we go. Wow. There, there's the picture oh. of, you know, Pavarotti, Joey Bishop. There's Joey Bishop. Why can't I get this right? All right. And then um, they're all in the book. It's like, you know, the big. Oh, yeah. There, there's a lot. There are a lot of people. And, and you know, here's here's another thing. This will be one of my last questions for you before we go. Yeah. Is that. You know, there there was one point where you guys actually had to create a GoFundMe to help to actually publish this, and so talk us through talk us through that whole how, how that whole situation and how how that actually helped because you know for uh, people out there that are trying to do the same thing that you're doing, that's exactly the same thing that they do. Is they're just like I don't have the funds to you know, publish this to go to someone to do this. So tell, tell us a little bit about how you actually did it. Yeah. So when, when my father died, like literally I'm telling you, he died on February 12th, the GoFundMe page went up on February 14th or 15th. It was like, immediately I thought of this. I'm like, you know what? These, all the people that loved and knew my dad are going to send flowers. They're going to send this stuff. Cause the, he like, really, when I say he had a legacy, he had people that really he served as far as um, being a manager and really creating the next generation of chefs. 
So he always used to say, you know, Julie, I raised many children. And so I wanted to make sure that these people were not giving flowers or something that wasn't needed, but really helping me finish his life dream. This literally was his dream. He did not want to leave this earth. He didn't leave this earth until he finished his part of the story. And so I put the GoFundMe page up really quickly, hoping that people that knew him would start to donate money to me to help me make his dream come alive. And they were very happy to do it. So I got about $3,500 to help me write the book. And so I think that this book cost me probably $4,500 because I put in about $1,000 of my own or maybe a little bit more, plus any other um, promotional things that I did. But it was just enough to help me get over the edge. And of course, I did it bare bones because I didn't oh. hire a company. I hired an, a couple editors. I hired a cover designer. I hired Amazon to do a couple things because they need to like make sure you get in the right categories and the right marketing. Um, so there's a bunch of work that you do there. But um, for the most part, that was that was the bare minimum. So really, people were happy to donate money at that point. So and the funniest part, this is a funny story. I said, I said to my mother, I'm like, mom, you know, dad wanted to write this book all the time. And I would love for you to give money towards it, you know, because my dad wasn't like this extremely poor man either. You know, that was the other part. He never, nobody wanted to give me any money to help fund the book. Nobody. And I had money, but I didn't have like an extra $3,500 at the time to do the book. I was single mom. I, I just didn't have it, you know? So I said to my mother, you know, can you get, no, no, we're not going to give, she didn't want to give me any money. And so at the end of the book, I say, I say, mom, I'm going to send you copies of the book. You're going to get the book and you're going to give it to everyone. You know, if you want to sell it, sell it. And then she goes, Julie, how much do you want for the book? How, mu how much do you want now? I go, what do you mean, mom? Uh, all this time, you didn't give me any money. You didn't help me out with the book. And um, here I am. I'm telling you I'm writing a book and you're doing nothing to help me. And, you know, other people are giving me money. You're giving me nothing. And she says, Julie, a lot of people say they're going to write a book and nobody ever writes a book. I literally did not think you were going to do it. And I'm like, mom, I was like, and, and no one else in the family thought you would do it either, she said. No oh, one else. Wow. They were all betting on me. They were all betting on me that I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. And so you can imagine all the things I had stacked against me. One person who supported me thick or thin was my husband. My husband was like, you better get in that office and write that book. You better do it. You better do it. You better. Like he was the one that was forcing me. He helped me like with my daughter, with dinner and things like that so that I could be available to write the book. Cause there were nights that I had to spend the entire night with the book coordinator coordinator and the writer and my mother on the phone. I'm like, you know, it was a lot of work, but the point is, is that GoFundMe is a great way. If you have family and friends that want to help you, especially when you're doing a legacy piece, this is, mm -hmm. this is a legacy piece. Like I get to hand this down to my grandchildren, my daughter right now, my daughter doesn't appreciate it because she's 16, but one yeah. day this will be something that maybe she wants to talk about and that my grandchildren can bring to show and tell right? Hey, oh, yeah. here's a book that my grandmother wrote about my great grandfather and the legacy. Like at that, at that point, my grand, you know, my grandmother's talked about in this book and that would be like a great, great, great. And here you are with a legacy. So 
my my uh, my charge to you is that if you have a family story that is wonderful, you want to share it, you want to keep it alive throughout the generations. What a great way to honor your family is to actually hand them something. You know, um, electronic legacies are great. I'm not saying that, but this is this is something tangible that people can read through and and have in their hands and be like this is my legacy. Here it is. And this is what my father said to me a few days before he died. He said, Julie, I'm leaving it to you now. He said, you are to finish my legacy and carry it through. I'm literally giving it to you. He said now, and now you're in charge. He said, take care of your family. Make sure you connect with your cousins and your sister. And you're the one now that has to hold the family together. He said to me, because he mm-hmm. he wanted to prepare me. He was preparing me for his death. He was preparing me to carry out his legacy. And he wanted people to be reminded of that his life mattered. And so does theirs. And, and you know, I think that is one of the best ways to finish this up today. Ladies and gentlemen, I, 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 I have no other words for this because this is a wonderful book. What Julie... I, Julia, Julie, see, I did it again. Julia, Julie is a rock. She is straight up Julie rock. And, you know, I, I, I think I, I appreciate so much that you were able to come up on here with us and tell us about, you know, your dad, about yourself and about the, his legacy, because, you know, as someone who really believes in stories and that every story is unique. And it should be told. I just like someone said on there, they were enjoying enjoying listening to this fabulous author. And I, I absolutely agree with it. You are a fabulous author. And I thank you so much for being on here. I know Marcella would say the same thing on that as well. I do. I do have a question though before you go, just to close this out. Julie, is there a quote that inspires you or keeps you going? That you can share with us and maybe helps that might help somebody else. Yeah, I think the one uh, that my father always said, you know, and if the world falls down on your shoulders, brush it off and keep going your way. Stay on course, stay on course, have faith in God and go on your way. Don't give up. That is the perfect way to end it. Thank you so much, Julie, for being on here. You know what? Please Tell us, tell everyone where they can find your book, Stay on Course, The Life and Legacy of Enyo Riga, Chef to the Stars, and anything else that you're going to be a part of. Yes. So go to my website. The, the easiest way to go to my website, julieriga.com. You can see all of the services I have. I'm, I'm offering a few classes coming up. I also have a podcast that you can see. I just launched a podcast today, officially launched it. So you can get access to my podcast on there. There's also links to the book and you can see pictures of my dad and some videos about the book. But today is a very special day also because today only you can receive a free Kindle version of my book. So if you sign up on my website under a podcast page or anywhere you want to just uh, sign up for my mailing list, you will receive a, a link to a free copy of my book today. Only today as we celebrate the six year anniversary of my father's uh, passing. So thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. And I pray that you all 
are able to stay on course with your dreams and anything else that you desire. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for that. Please stick around. Um, We'll put you back in the studio. I mean, what is there to say? What is there to say, Martella? (laughs) I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. You always do. You always do. Being the big sister, you always know. Anyways, you know. I personally loved it. I love the book just because of the fact, one, it's someone's legacy. Two, family members are involved in the whole process. And three, I've got some recipes to actually check out and see if I can cook and make it better. What? I like food, okay? I like Italian food. My favorite thing is lasagna. Come on now. I've got to go through that whole thing and see if I can find a really good lasagna uh, recipe to try out. Because, I'm sorry, if a five-star chef can make that, I'm going to try at least. Okay, I'm not a... Stop laughing! See, this is what I got to deal with every time. Every time I try to fit my dreams out there for her, she has to shoot me down. Anyways... (laughs) Anyways, I want to thank Julie again for being on our show today. Obviously, my wonderful co-host, Marcella. And, of course, all of you who are watching live and watching and listening later on the replay. And as a reminder, this is going to be our last live stream for a little while because we feel like we can do a little bit more with this a little bit later on, but right now we're just going to be having the pre-recordings and we're going to pop them up on the same time. So Tuesday and Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. And then maybe here and maybe here next uh, three or four months, we'll do a special and, you know, have a, 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 a uh, live Q&A, you know, on here or something like that. We'll, we'll figure something out. But, I assure you, we are not going away. We are just allowing you guys to listen to us a little bit more instead of looking at Marcella. Um, That's why they come here. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Anyways, so please continue to join us. Please continue to come to our uh, website, beyondthepinpodcast.com. And... Tell us what you think. Let us know what you like. And if there's someone you would like to, to uh, for us to have on the show, or if you're an author and you want us to, to try to spotlight you on here, please come to the website, check out some of the previous episodes, get us, get a sense of what we're like, and then fill out the contact sheet and we'll try to get in touch with you. So, but in the end, we always want to say the same things to you guys. Keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go beyond the pen. We love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. 
If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.